It's great to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I had a question as I start, and the question is, uh, it's, it's fine, dude. That's good. My eyes are getting uh, older, though, so hard to see things. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting older, um, do you, I, I had a question. Do you, uh, who here likes kids' movies? Does anybody like to watch kids' movies? Okay. That's great. Uh, turn to your neighbor. Tell them, what's your favorite kids' movie? I hear some Lion Kings. All right. Here's, before we take too long, um, I, I don't know if I really like kids' movies that much. So I'm not, I mean, I have my own kids' movies like, you know, the Little Mermaid and Lion King that connect with my childhood. But if I had to go pick a movie to watch, I'm not, I'm probably not going to want to go watch like Ice Age 4. You know what I mean? But every week our family watches kids' movies. So we have this ritual called Family Movie Night, and it's on Friday. And the ritual is that mom comes home from work, dad makes pizza, and the kids pick a movie, and we watch a movie every Friday. And so, as you could tell, we're not watching, like, Die Hard with a Vengeance or anything. We're watching kids' movies. So I have seen, Sarah and I have seen Cars, Cars 2, Cars 3, Planes, <laughs> Planes 2, when Planes 3 comes out, we'll see that. Ice Age 1, Ice Age 2, Ice Age 3, Ice Age 4. One of the Ice Ages actually has like pirates in it, on it floating on an iceberg. Ice Age 5. We've probably seen them all like 10 times. So um, we've seen a lot of other movies too. But I, actually, I lied. There's one kid's movie that I really like. And uh, it's actually our whole family's favorite movie. It's The Incredibles. So do we have a picture of the Incredibles up here. There it is. So, and in fact, um, we love it so much that for family movie night last week, we went out to the IMAX to catch Incredibles 2 on the opening night. And so it's a movie that we all agree on is probably, I think it's Sarah's actual favorite movie in the whole world. It's, um, uh, but here's, here's the thing that I love about it. The Incredibles is secretly a parent movie. You know that, right? I mean, it's like, Right? It is, yeah, I'm getting nods because it is cool for the kids. And when Silas saw it, he was Dash for a week and he wanted to be called Dash. He, and I'd be like, hey, Silas, you know, come brush your teeth. He's like, I'm Dash. So, but um, the drama and the complexity of the plot is really on, on the parent level, right? Bob and Helen in both movies are just trying to figure out what the heck they're supposed to be doing as parents, right? And, um, and I, you know, the truth is that parenting, and I, this is kind of what I want to talk about this morning as parents, um, it's not o- always obvious exactly what parents are supposed to be doing. It's kind of cliche, but it's true that when you become a parent, nobody gives you an instruction book. Like, here, here's how to be a parent. You have to figure out a lot of things. And um, plus, one of the things about parenting is it changes Culture to culture, generation to generation, right? Like, how many of you guys saw Stranger Things? Okay, so I saw it too. And confession, what freaked me out about Stranger Things was not the Demigorgon or the, un- the Upside Down. Um, but what, what weirded me out the most is watching these kids roll around on bikes with no parental supervision, right? 
Like, would we allow that to happen today, kids to go on an adventure? And then you think about all the movies you watched as a kid, E.T., you know, I'm dating myself, but these older movies, like, kids just roamed around. And then I, I think back on my childhood, and I remember my parents in the summer just being like, all right, come back for dinner. And out I was, right? But nowadays, I don't know. I think feel like parents are afraid to let their kids roam free, right? Or afraid of some other parent thinking that it's a bad idea for your kids to run free. So it gets confusing, right? So I, I did want to share about this card that I heard about just because I, it's so cool that I'm just going to take some sermon time to share about it here. Um, but there's this card that you can give your kids nowadays, parents, because only Utah has a free-range parenting law. Did you know this? Only in Utah can parents not be sued for leaving their kids out unaccompanied. But check this out. This is called a let grow card, and you can put my name is, my parents' phone is, and there's my parents' signature. And I want to read you what it says on the back. Ready? It says, hi, I am not lost or neglected. I have been taught how to cross the street. I know never to go off with strangers, but I can talk to them, including you. The state gen generally allows parents to decide when to let their kids do things independently. My belief, it is safe, healthy, and fun for me to explore. If you do not believe me, please call or text them. If you still think it's inappropriate or illegal for me to be on my own, please read Huckleberry Finn, visit letgrow.org, and remember your own childhood. Was your parent ever with you every second? And with today's crime rate back to what it was in 1963, it's safer to play outside now than when you were my age. Let me grow. So anyway, I thought this was good. You can get this for your kids. Well, my point is, it's, it's obviously not um, totally obvious what's expected of parents. But that said, um, what is obvious to everybody is that parents are incredibly important, right? Parents are important. Maybe our parents weren't the great greatest parents, but if it weren't for them, we wouldn't be here, right? If it weren't for parents, the human race would not exist. Am I correct, right? Um, and besides all the practical things that parents do, make babies, you know, birth them into the world, here's to the moms in the room, um, feed little humans, clean their poop, teach them language, culture, life skills, discipline, socialize them, foster their education, connect them to community, instill values, rituals, beliefs, and morals to guide them, support and coach them as they become adults and have kids of their, of their own. Besides all that, and this is what I want to talk about this morning, parents play a crucial role in the spiritual and emotional development of children into healthy adults. And so this is part of why this whole border situation is just so heartbreaking, right? It's just like, I don't know if you've heard the audio of it. Like, I don't want to go on, but it's just, it's painful to listen to these little kids crying out for their parents. And we all know at, at some level something's wrong because the U.S. government can feed the kids, can shelter them, put them in tents, it can clothe them, but it can't be their parents, right? There's a spiritual role that parents play. So what is it that parents do? That's what I want to talk about this morning. What are the spiritual roles that parents play in the lives of children and adult children, right? Our parents are still playing a role in our lives, for good or for ill. And so that's this morning what I want to look at. Is that cool? You guys with me? All right. And I want to look at two important spiritual roles that parents play. Now, 
as I share this, I know that um, there's some of you that talking about parents is going to feel like salt in a wound, right? Because we actually maybe did not have a good relationship or a relationship at all with our parents, right? And so there's a risk in preaching about um, kind of looking at Scripture to see what our parents are supposed to do because many of us will be able to look at our own parents and say, wow, my parents didn't do that for me. Where does that leave me at? And what I want to say to us is that actually, friends, this is the beauty of the gospel, that, that God is our true parent, right? And um, no matter what our parents were like, God is able to redeem that parent-child relationship and to bring wholeness. And the other cool thing is that this is the church, and the church is actually a family, right? And, and the scripture says that God sets the lonely in families, right? And so maybe you grew up without a great relationship with your parents. Guess what? There are spiritual parents in this, in this room, right, that can step in and fill in in ways that your parents couldn't, all right? Now, I know some of us, um, some of us are here and we don't have kids, right? We're, maybe we're not married. Maybe we're not even dating someone, right? Maybe we're 10 million miles from kids. So you're like, well, what? Why do I stay listening in this sermon? Well, guess what? You are a kid, right? And you have parents. And so it's important for us to understand the roles that parents play and the role God wants to play in your life, right? And here's the other thing I want to say is just because folks don't have biological kids or aren't married does not mean that actually in the church, God is calling all of us into spiritual parenthood. He's calling all of us to be spiritual parents to the people in the church, to the next generation. And actually, as a young church, this is part of why I want to talk about sanctuary. Um, look around you, right? We are a young church. And uh, I may not be a young person, but being in this room makes me part of a young church. And one of the things that we need to grow into maturity as a church is spiritual parents. Okay, so that's what I want to talk about this morning. What are they? What do they do? Um, and basically, this is going to be very simple. There are two spiritual roles of parents that I want to talk about this morning. Probably not the only two, but two important roles. All right? So the first spiritual role that parents play is to bless. Turn to your neighbor and say, bless you. All right? And... Um, God, who is a parent, blesses his children. So I want to look at this scripture um, from Genesis chapter 1. And this is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. And it says, um, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right, so God creates Adam and Eve, right? And so Adam and Eve did not have physical parents, according to the story the Scripture tells. They, they were born, God created them. He was 
He scraped Adam together out of the dust of the earth, breathed the breath of life. Eve was created in a different way, but God was their daddy, right? And what was the first thing that daddy God does for Adam and Eve? He blesses them. Before he did anything else, before they did anything else, God blessed them. And he blessed them and he gave them a commissioning, right? And so I want us to look now at... um, at Jesus, in a similar way, God is the father of Adam and Eve. He's our father, but in a special way, he's the father of Adam and Eve and Jesus. And look what God does at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus' life be separated into two parts. The first 30 years of his life, he was um, a carpenter. The second three years of his life, he was, uh, well, he was Jesus, right? And we know, like, two, that we know he was born, We know that age 12 he went to the temple, but everything else we know about Jesus' life happened at age 30. And the thing that kicked off Jesus' ministry is what? Is hearing the blessing of the Father. And so if you look at Mark uh, chapter 1, it says this. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. You are my son who I love. With you I'm well pleased. God blessed Jesus. And this is so deep because before Jesus had done anything in terms of his public ministry, he heard the voice of God blessing him. And then right after this story, Jesus ends up, the Spirit sends him into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil. And if you remember the rest of the story, those of us that have read it, the devil' main idea is to actually call into question what? The blessing of God, right? The three times the devil says in in Matthew and Luke, if you're really God's son, right? If what God said about you is really true, then do this thing. But the main thing that the devil is trying to do is to call into question the blessing of Jesus. And thank God, Jesus tells that devil what to do with that, right? And you can go go stick it where the sun don't shine, devil, you know? And he is able to live in that blessing. And everything that follows in Jesus' life flows out of those words of blessing. And it's the same for Abraham. God blesses him and sends him out to be a blessing to the whole world. Um, so a bl- what is a blessing? A blessing is basically just to speak words that affirm our God-given identity and calling, right? That's what a blessing is, a set of words that affirm who we are and what we're called to do, right? God's intention for our life, his love for us, and his purpose for our life, right? Now, blessings might seem kind of insignificant to us, right? Even think about the word blessing. It sounds like a Hallmark card, right? Like, oh, what a blessing, you know, it's sunny today. And it sounds kind of like, like it doesn't really have a lot of weight to it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, we don't even, what is a blessing and giving a blessing? And it sounds something kind of weird and esoteric or Hallmarky. But I, what I want to say to you guys is that blessing is incredibly important. You were made to be blessed. You were made to hear the voice of God speaking identity 
and purpose over you. You were created for it. There's a reason why the first thing God does when he creates Adam and Eve is to bless them. There's a reason why the first thing God does when he kicks off Jesus' ministry is to pronounce blessing over Jesus, right? Or, you know, if you guys aren't into the Bible, um, it's true in the Lion King too, right? Do you guys remember Simba after the death of Mufasa? Right? He was lost in the jungle after the death of Mufasa. No hog, no meerkat. Kuna Matata by day. It's in a chance the rapper song too. But look at this, right? What happens at the pivotal moment when Mufasa is, uh, Simba is lost? He's lost his purpose. He doesn't understand what he's supposed to be doing, you know, sitting atop the circle of life, you know, assuming his rightful place in the, in the, in the jungle. But what does he need? He needs to hear the Father's blessing. Simba, you're my son, right? It's true, by the way, in Incredibles, right? Violet tries to use her force field powers and fails, and she's afraid to use it on that secret island. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And she has a little talk with her mom, and her mom says, you know, look, Violet, you're more powerful than you realize. Trust trust yourself. You'll know what to do. It's in your blood, right? She receives a blessing. So when I um, entered ministry, and I've been doing ministry for like 15 years, um, one of the most important moments for me uh, was at this conference. And two important things happened at this conference. One, I met my future wife. Actually, I met her 15 years ago yesterday at this conference. So, uh, and uh, love you, honey. And um but that actually may have been, not been the most important things that, that happened to me. It, well, it, it's a close, close second. But the thing that happened for me was um, I, I heard the blessing of God over my life. So I had become a Christian in high school. I was involved in a church that was, I don't want to say it was cult-like, but it was cult-like in some senses <laughs> in that um, there was this sense of, um, I need to work harder for God. I need to do more for God. I need to try harder, be better for God, so that God will love me, right? And how many of you have ever felt that way? Like, uh, you know, if I was just a little better, like maybe God would love me more, right? I need to just try harder for him. This is deep, right? And for me it was deep. And in some ways I was going into ministry, I think, to try to be good enough for God to love me. And so they had these opportunities for prayer ministry. And um, so we have that every day here at Sanctuary, every Sunday. And I invite you guys this morning, maybe God, you know, I didn't really know I needed to receive prayer ministry, and I didn't know what was coming. But um, I went to this space for prayer ministry, and this guy, John, just prayed for me. And He's like, what would you like the Lord to do for you? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just here because I kind of want to be here. And so we began to pray. And um, in my prayer, I had this image, this recollection, this memory come back, almost full relief of my childhood. And it was a memory of my dad and me. And so my dad was this interesting guy, still is. He's a doctor. Um, but his hobby was planting these trees all around the city of Spokane um, to make it look beautiful, right? And so 
he would take these flowering pear trees to these old ladies' houses, and they couldn't, um, you know, maybe plant their own tree. And uh, so we would plant it for them. And I remember this, and my dad always loved to have me with him. And, um, and I didn't really do a lot of the planting, right? So I was five, maybe, right? And I, I had my own shovel, but I didn't do much digging. I didn't know how to plant a tree. I didn't. I, I, if, if it had been up to me to plant the tree, the tree would not have gotten planted, right? My dad could do it all by himself, but you know what? He wanted me there. He wanted to do it with me. He didn't need me to plant the tree for him. He just wanted me to do it. And this memory came flooding back to me, and I heard God speak in my mind, in my heart, and he said, you know what, Greg? This is what my relationship with you is like. And I needed to hear that, guys. And some of you guys need to hear the blessing of God on your life, that he loves you, that he created you, that he made you, and that there's nothing you need to do to earn his love, right? And maybe it's something you know intellectually, but you need it to come down into your heart. I need to hear that blessing a lot of times. And there's so many other reasons, guys, why we try to serve the Lord out of a need to prove ourselves, to please God, to look good in front of others. But the fruit is so different when it comes out of an awareness of his love for us. And I want that for us. So how do we receive God's blessing? How do we receive the, the fatherly parental blessing of God? This is where it's kind of profound, is that God actually, you know, generally doesn't speak with neon in the sky over us. He doesn't open the heavens and speak the way he spoke with Jesus. Generally speaking, the way that God's blessing comes to us is through other people, through human voices, right? Um, God is always blessing us. Ephesians 1 says... We're blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So you know what? God is blessing you right now. But how did the Ephesian church find out about it? They found out about it because Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians. A human voice told them. Stepped into that line of blessing that extends from heaven to us and amplified that signal. Right? How many of you have an internet router whatever? In my office, my internet sucks. It's the worst internet ever. We've been complaining, haven't we, Tino, for like a really long time. And it's this super weak signal. Our computers can't pick it up. And what we really need, well, is we're going to get our own internet. But, you know, if they had wanted to not be cheapskates, I hope they're listening to this sermon, they could have bought a signal booster, right? They could have bought something that would, that would receive the internet radio signal from the router and would amplify it. Does that make sense? Signal booster? Well, guess what? God actually has created the, the world for his blessing to be amplified through our human parents, right? Human parents are intended to be God's signal booster for blessings. Does that make sense? God wants to bless. You saw all these little kids here? He wants to bless them. But how are they going to find out? He wants their parents to speak that blessing over them. Does that make sense? Mothers, the mother blessing tends to be a blessing of our identity and our being. The father blessing tends to be a blessing of our calling. The blessing that actually kind of pushes us out into the world with a sense of competence. Jesus' blessing was a mother and father blessing. You are my son who I love. 
with you I'm well pleased. In other words, go. You can, you can do this, right? The mother blessing provides us with a sense of stability and being the idea that it is good that you exist. The day that you were born was a beautiful day. The Lord and his angels rejoiced at your birth. Right? That's what mothers are intended to communicate. Fathers pr- provide us with a sense of, you can do it, buddy. So yesterday, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, if Sarah posted, but Silas learned to ride his bike. And, I mean, dude, I can't even tell you how proud I am. But I realized that actually what I was doing is providing a father blessing. Fathers stand behind the bike, they grab the seat, and they give it a little shove, and they're like, go, buddy, you got this. I'm right behind you, right? And, he, and Silas needed that blessing. And so parents have an incredible power, don't they, to either bless or withhold blessing or confuse blessing, right, or muddy the blessing, right? James talks about the power of the tongue is that it has the power to both bless or curse. And so when fathers and mothers fail to bless their kids, or maybe they communicate other messages to them, or perhaps they say something like, you're never going to be good enough, or I wish you were never born, or something like that, they can curse their kids. Does that make sense? And it creates a wound in the human soul, a mother wound or a father wound. So the first part of the spiritual job description of a parent is to bless. And so um, moms and dads, I just want to say to you guys, this is your job. More than anything else, what the Lord has called you to do, whether you clean their diapers correctly or teach them the right chores or whether they get a B in science or a D in science, your job is to bless your kids. You just say stuff like, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're God's daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. You can do it. When we hear these words, it, it does something powerful. Maybe we don't even notice it. You know, Sarah, um, it wasn't until we kind of took a prayer ministry class that Sarah realized that her dad had blessed her. right? But Sarah um, grew up with surprisingly few father issues And one of the reasons why, she remembers when she was 13 years old and she was just starting to like boys, you know, be interested in them. You know, before that they were gross, but around 12 to 14, something weird happens and you start noticing. And her dad was driving the car with her and he said out of nowhere, and Sarah was like, this was the weirdest thing at the time. But he said to her, you know, I want to tell you this before you hear it from another man. I think you're beautiful. And again, Sarah's like, okay, thanks, Dad. But, but that memory, right? You know, some memories just get etched in pretty deep. Like that memory is in there. Sarah, at any moment, goes back to that car, and she hears her father's blessing. So I want to say that um, we don't have to be a biological father or mother to bless our kids. The Apostle Paul had no children. And yet, he writes to the church as if they are children, his own children. Does this make sense? He says it, to the Thessalonians, he describes himself as a mother and as a father. 
And so he says, you know, we, we cared for you like, like a mother cares for her children. And as a father, we called you, we exhorted you to live a life worth your calling. Holy, uh, a life worthy uh, of the calling of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And so many of Paul's letters are actually extended blessings, right? Not, for, not to his own kids, but to the whole church. Paul stepped into the spiritual parent role. In fact, a lot of his books, the first half is a mother blessing. This is who you are. The Lord loves you. You're adopted into his family. And the second half is a father blessing. Therefore, here's the way I want to encourage you to live. And so Paul steps into that parental role. And so the church provides fathers and mothers to people that don't have them. So maybe you're here. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard a blessing from your parents. God may, God may actually want to use another human voice to speak that over you, to speak those words over you. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't have any kids of my own. God may be inviting you to step up into a spiritual parent role. So I want to encourage us to bless our kids, if you have kids. I want to encourage all of us to just begin blessing people that aren't our kids. Um, one of the things I did is I just noticed a few months ago that, um, how many of you know Jess Shue? I don't know if she's here today. Jess Shue has a gift for writing songs, right? And some, we've been singing some of her songs. And this is not anything that I did personally. It's not anything that any of us did. It's something beautiful about who Jess is. But one day, I just said, you know what, Jess, I'd like to, I want to bless you. And I just said, you know, I bless you, Jess, as a songwriter. And I just called her out, and I urge you to step into that calling, right? And so we could do that with people. Andrew Mook blessed me the other week. Andrew Mook is not my dad. Uh, thank goodness. No. <laughs> He's my friend. But he actually stepped into the role of a spiritual father for me because there are some callings and some things that are, that are in my life that are latent, that are lying there like seeds. And sometimes I kind of sit on them and I'm not doing anything with them. And Andrew pulled me aside the other day and he said, you know, Greg, you have this calling on your life and I don't want us to get another year and be in the same place. I want you to live into this calling God's given you. And I knew it was true before Andrew said it. I knew that God wanted to say that to me. But gosh, you know, hearing another human voice that I trust, that I respect, speak those words over me had spiritual power. And I believe there are gifts in this church that need to be called out by other human voices, right? And some of you have those voices. Some of you know how to look around the room and say, I see God moving in this person's life. I see God moving in that person's life. You know what I want to say is open your mouth and say it, right? Some of you guys are like, well, they don't need to hear it from me, or they probably already know. Tell them anyway. Oh, my kids, they know God loves them. They know I love them. Tell them anyway. Tell them repeatedly. We need to hear the blessing of God over and over. Because guess what? Satan tried to steal Jesus' blessing. Guess who else's blessing he's going to try to steal? He's going to try to steal your blessing. All right, enough of that. Uh, second spiritual role 
and this is a lot uh, more basic, is that parents model. Um, in other words, spiritual parents, parents, their spiritual role is to, is to model a life of following Jesus for their kids. To lead a life worth imitating. When uh, some of you, if you've had kids and you became a parent and you didn't get that instruction manual, one of the first things you probably did is what Sarah and I did. Oh gosh, what do we do? Let's call Sarah's mom. Right? What did my dad do? And the truth is that the most profound transformation in our life does not happen from hearing Greg Johnson preach a sermon. The most profound transformation in our life comes when we see somebody that we want to emulate and we imitate. We grow by imitation. That's why it wasn't enough for Jesus to just talk to his disciples about the kingdom. He told them, come follow me. Come spend time with me. Come look at my life. When Paul talked to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 11, he said, you need to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, you may have had 10,000 guardians in Christ, but you only have one father. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, because I'm your father, what? Imitate me. And so this is the other piece that spiritual fathers and mothers and parents do. And by the way, you don't have to be a biological parent to live a life worth imitating. You just have to invite other people into your life to watch what you're doing. Invite them over to dinner with you. And I think that to grow into spiritual maturity as a church, we need spiritual parents. It's not enough to hear a sermon. We need people who we can imitate. We need people. There, there's two parts of this modeling role. First of all, living a life that's worth imitating. And secondly, letting people close enough to your life so you can impart it to them. So I want to invite um, the worship team uh, to come up. All of us are called to be spiritual fathers and mothers. And that means that our lives need to be worth imitating. And it's, it's worth asking, what parts of my life would I want somebody to see and imitate? And what parts maybe aren't ready yet? And I want to invite you to ask yourself that question. Some of us have no idea how I could ever become a spiritual father or mother. How could I ever become a spiritual parent and say, follow me as I follow Jesus? And um, what I want to encourage you guys to do is to find someone to imitate. Don't, don't figure it out for yourself, but actually the way, one of the ways God wants you to grow into maturity is to find somebody whose life you can pattern after. Right? And so look around. Who do you see in this room that you respect deeply? Or it doesn't have to be in this room. That in 40 years, 20 years, 10 years, you're like, I want to be like them. Reach out to them. Find them. Get in a relationship with them. Seek them out. Learn from them. Some of us are qualified right now to be spiritual parents. 
maybe we look around and we realize, wow, maybe I'm actually not doing that right now. And that's okay. But the Lord wants to use you that way. And so maybe this, this morning, the next step for you is to say, I'm going to be open to this calling, right? And one part of that is I'm going to let people close enough to my life to see how I live. I'm going to allow people to come into my life and open up my life so that people can watch me, can spend time with me, can imitate me. I just want to uh, close by just sharing... Um, a story about a friend of mine, Jeremy, who you guys maybe know because he goes to the north and he preaches here a lot. And Jeremy never um, grew up with a dad. His dad wasn't present growing up. And yet God um, moved powerfully in his life, came to faith in college. And through his relationship with Jesus, his own sense of God as his father began to um, replace that picture of his dad growing up. And God began to do this incredible work in helping Jeremy to become ready for fatherhood. And they, they had um, their own child. The other thing that happened is as they were serving in this church, they just he and his wife, Charity, became aware of a young man named Devon who also needed a dad didn't have a dad or a mom. And God began to do this incredible work in Jeremy and Charity, and they began to invite Devon over into their house, have dinner with them. And they thought, oh, this is probably great. But the love, they realized, started to go deeper. And they began to sense this call that um, we're actually supposed to be father and mother for Devon in a deeper way. And so they invited him to live with them, and eventually they adopted him. And they literally are his father and mother now. And Devon um, has come to a place of flourishing in his own faith. He's actually leading a ministry in his high school. And it's a beautiful picture of what God can do. So I want to invite us to come uh, to the communion table in just a minute. And the servers, you guys can come up. This table reminds us that the Father sent His only Son to die in our place so that we could be forgiven and adopted as God's children. John, 1 John says, Behold, how great is the Father's love that we should be called children of God. So a minute, I'm going to invite you guys to come forward for communion. Uh, folks on the lower level, you can just come up the uh, center aisle in, in a moment. Balcony uh, communion is going to come to you. And uh, in a moment, as you receive the bread, remember that it's a sign of Christ's broken body, broken for you, for all of us. When we dip it in the, 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 uh, the wine or juice, well, it's just juice, um, it's a, as a sign of Christ's blood shed on the cross. But before you come up, a couple invitations I want to make this morning. Some of you, as you come up, you know that God's actually calling you to step into the role of a spiritual parent. You have the ability to bless and to model. But this morning, you actually just need to say yes to that and to step into that role. Some of you are like, am I allowed to do that? Yes, you are. I'm giving you permission to do that. Step into that role. You know who you are. 
Some of us this morning actually need a spiritual parent in our lives, a mentor, somebody whose life we can emulate, someone who can speak blessing over us. Some of us as we come up, actually, uh, you need to receive a parent's blessing this morning. Maybe you've never heard that from your own parents. And guys, God wants to speak that over you just like he wanted to speak it over me. And don't be shy about that. It's not going to take a long time. But if that's you, I want to invite you to line up at this side to your left. And uh, there's folks there that would love to bless you. Some of us as we come actually may need to forgive our earthly parents. And that may sound weird, but that actually may be the first step in healing, right? Is actually just, it doesn't mean mom or dad, what you did was okay. It just means, you know what? I'm not gonna hold on to judgment of that. I'm gonna release you to God's judgment and I'm gonna forgive you and set my soul free to receive the blessing of God himself. Finally, some of you this morning um, actually need to begin a relationship with God your Father for the first time. This table reminds us that Jesus died on the cross so that you would not be a stranger or a foreigner, but that you could be a child of God. And if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you. Actually, right now, I just want to invite you, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus for the first time, go ahead and raise your hand right now. Lord created you for himself. He wants to be your father. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'll just pray for you. Just going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your father love, your mother love for us. That you bless us, that we're your children. And I pray, God, for this whole church that we would walk in your blessing and walk in our identity walk in who we were created to be as your children, Lord. I pray that it would not be a head thing, but it would go down deeply into our hearts, God, that all that we do would move out of that sense of knowing that we're loved and chosen and adopted and called by you. We thank you for this table right here, God, on which you revealed your love for us. Jesus Christ, your arms of love were spread wide on the hardwood of the cross that all could come within reach of your saving embrace and be adopted in your family. Thank you, Lord. Come as you feel led for communion.